The Third Man Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! Back to Third Man Podcast, Jack White and Third Man Records History Program, and I'm your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. I'm your way more energetic co-host, James Kaminsky. James is chilling at a cool noon Eastern time over there. Oh, yeah. I got Prime. that Jack White fasting thing going on where I haven't eaten lunch, so I'm just kind of jittery. Yeah. Um, it's the great. The sun's, sun's high in the sky, and we're uh, talking with Layla and Lexi from the Paranoids. Thank you so much for joining us. Woo. Thanks for having us. We... Love this album. I mean, it's awesome. I loved your last one as well, but this album is a highlight of last year in terms of the third man output. Amazing work. Thanks. It kind of ticks all the boxes that I really enjoy and was kind of looking for from a third man act for a long time. Not that I didn't enjoy the other third man acts, but it was so great to see that you guys were on board and it's what introduced me to your music and it's really excellent. Let's talk about those boxes that were ticked. Emma, I like to do <laughs> well, this. So, so if you want to, let's check, let's check it out. Okay, I, I always hate to do this because I know it can be a thing for some uh, musicians, but this is the vibes it gave me, not necessarily that you are the same people as, as <laughs> I'm going to list. It gave me Courtney Barnett vibes, which mm-hmm. I enjoy. It gave me Beck vibes. There's obviously some Devo and stuff in there. And then on top of that, there was another band that came to mind when I was listening to the latest album, and I, I wrote it down, and now I can't remember what it was. Well, I'll, but, uh, I'll, ju- I'll jump in <laughs> then, because that was going to be my first question, which is that sometimes I think I'm riding an Elvis Costello wave uh, onto a Go-Go's beach, and then sometimes I'm in, I'm in Cramps land. It's got that surf rocky, vaguely surf rocky or something underneath there at times. But um, I guess maybe that is just quintessentially California, such as such as yourselves. Yep. Veruca uh, Salt. That's what it was. Veruca Salt. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so what, what? talk to us a little bit about your earliest influences and how they kind of fed into the band, because you've known each other almost your whole lives, you know? Uh, so, I mean, you must have had some commonality uh, growing up musically, I would imagine. Not really. <laughs> no? <laughs> I mean, especially Lexi and I know we had very different um, music tastes growing up, but I think 
separately they sort of contributed to both of our styles and the styles of the band well your brother's ipod this was this yeah. was really formative in sixth or seventh grade <laughs> layla's brother gave her an ipod that was filled with music already i think he was 23 at the time and he was going yeah. through his like cool guy i'm about to move to new york phase <laughs> and i think that really kind of pushed us in the direction of like we should start a band and that's when our first uh, totally we came up with our first band that was just a name and we never really played was around that time too which was (laughs) oh (laughs) if you're feeling so inclined this is the first time i think we're announcing this publicly um oh no no. our, our first our first band name was called outlet 69 Whoa! But we nice. Didn't, we didn't know what sixty-nine. No, what sixty-nine. We were like twelve. <laughs> I still think we sh- we should still be called out with sixty-nine. It's it's our band group chat name. <laughs> I mean, it's a great album title, if anything. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's uh, it is a funny number, and kids think it's a funny number too basically because they're told it's a funny number and i like that james that's um, the sex number right or is that the what number? <laughs> I, I i can never Paul, can never this is a this is a christian podcast Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so you had no commonality growing up you were just complete one's an engelbert humperdinck super fan the other's <laughs> Listen, Metallica, is that? It was. You're not far off. I was like, kind of, I was going through a bad, bad pop punk phase and they were more into like the, um, like Beatles, Rolling Stones, Bowie, like, you know, the classics, the tried and true. The pop punk of the 60s. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, so luckily I've moved on from that. Um, and then, yeah, some of the influences that you referenced are definitely like contemporary influences for the album. And like Beck, I know our drummer David loves Beck. And um, I like Courtney Barnett and the Go-Go's are awesome. And, you know, once once I got older, I got better music taste. And yeah, the <laughs> Go-Go's are such a great band. I love them and Devo, so. Mm-hmm. And you've covered, uh, I think I saw that you covered The Offspring at one point in time. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. yeah. yeah. It's like an ode. That's another like ode to being, a, I guess, a SoCal band and like K-Rock radio. And um, right. it's just, even though the rest of the band isn't as big into pop punk, it's like everybody loves that song, Come Out and Play by The right. Offspring. You yeah. can't, you can't oh. not like it. I don't know. I mean. They were the voice of a generation uh, <laughs> of crazy taxi players, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I saw them in concert on a Ferris wheel. They were uh, <laughs> playing in concert and I was on a Ferris wheel. And every time I got to the top of it, I could hear them. And then it would get to the bottom and then I couldn't hear them. And then... James thought the kids were all right, and then he came back down again. They were all like, right the second yeah, time. Yeah, they were yeah, gone. They were, yeah. Just, yeah. Whoa, um, wait, I want to come back to Crazy Taxi Players. First. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's, um, you just unlocked a memory I completely <laughs> forgot about. I, it was, yeah, the, the pop punk soundtrack of Crazy Taxi was a formative that's album right. for a lot also of people. Also the, the Tony Hawk. Yeah, the Tony yeah. Hawk one was huge for that's us. That's a big, big yeah. influence. For sure. Uh, and... I know uh, my wife uh, like still has the Tony Hawk soundtrack uh, in her car. I believe in like a CD like thing. She still has a CD disc. uh, Oh, that's amazing! Yeah. When did you start going to shows out there? I mean, uh, we're talking high school and stuff, seeing local bands, because I know that you're pretty plugged into the L.A. scene and stuff. I saw that you had mentioned being big fans of bands like Sunflower Bean and stuff. So you go into a lot of shows. Is that how you're kind of forming and gelling as a, as a group? Because by the time high school rolls around, right, that's when Staz joins the group and you start getting serious. Yeah, I would say, like, Staz probably had her 
finger on the LA pulse a little bit more than uh, she was more adventurous. Uh, I was very much like, I need to go to school and get there on time. And uh, and so I wasn't really, I, I, we're in Santa Monica and I didn't know like about Silver Lake or Echo Park <laughs> about any of these cool Yeah, our, our parents very rarely made a trip past like Beverly the, the Hills. 405, yeah. yeah. So we were <laughs> very it. much on That's the left a- side. I get it. That's a schlep. Uh, on the on the wrong day, you're sitting yeah. in, you're sitting in two hours of traffic, easy. Yeah. yeah. So so I think Stas was going to a lot of like local shows, and she moved out to Silver Lake when she was like seventeen. 17 or yeah. Yeah. So her moving there then, and then we got our licenses around that, and when she moved out there, we kind of had a reason to be over there. And I remember driving, be like, "This is so far. I'm never gonna <laughs> get there." And um, yeah, so I think we started going to shows maybe like around then together. Was there an LA music scene that you were kind of gravitating towards at the time? Um, totally. Yeah. I mean, like when we were um, sort of really starting out, getting very serious, we were like very much involved in the LA music scene at the time. Like we, all of our friends, we were friends with Sad Girl and like bands like Wild Wing and Davola. And it was just like, is a very robust scene and like very influential and fun and totally where we sort of kicked off and got our start And this was right after, so the band kind of was on, I mean, we didn't really start the band until Layla and I went to college in different, like out of state, or I went out of state, Layla was in uh, Santa Barbara. So when we graduated, um, then we kind of came back and started going to shows more seriously. We're like 22, 23. And um, the scene, it was like post garage rock, like post best coast. But like psych rock was coming back. So it was like mm-hmm. this like lo-fi was still kind of in and like like Dum Dum Girls and Best Coast and Co- Code Hangers Colors was like on its way out, kind yeah. of like music was kind of tapering out. And then psych rock was coming in. And that's like kind of what that was like the scene we came up with so that's why like there still was that like surf guitar right that like stratocaster reverb kind of sounding guitar but things were also like a little bit more like we've always been into breakdowns so and we have we have organs and keys so i think we like lean more towards psych sometimes yeah yeah there's just there's definitely a psychedelic quality to it that yeah like uh that i i thoroughly enjoyed it's got a a kind of there's an energetic sadness to a lot of it with that. I like it a lot. Um, so I was, I was definitely enjoying it, especially um, songs like Freak Out and stuff were, were really, uh, were really pulling me with that.
Are you writing it this time? Or like, when does that start? Like the songwriting? Yeah, I think it, it started like just the way that a lot of like newer musicians, it's just started like individually. Stas and I would be writing on like garage band and recording like horrible <laughs> demos. We were actually on that tour that I don't remember if it was like, it was around Portland. We were like, let's listen to all our demos from over the years. <laughs> and we dug some of them up. And I was just so, you know, obviously you're like, half embarrassed but also half like kind of proud you're like wow i had so much to say at <laughs> 21 what the hell was i on about <laughs> like what was that you know um so uh, yeah we, we were writing and kind of like uh swapping like email like hey check this out what do you think and then you know once we finally got back to all being in the same place um that's when it kind of gelled as like more of a unit as opposed to like individual songwriter songs. Yeah. So you guys have been friends for a long time. Did that kind of dynamic affect your sound or you guys are, I'm, I'm guessing like friends first band second in that case. Yeah. Or... Mm-hmm. It's tricky. I'd imagine. Yeah. It's um, I mean, just in terms of like dynamics, it's like, amazing because we were just like best friends getting to do this together it makes it like so much more special and really keeps the fun of it going i think and i mean we know each other so well we know like you know what lines not to cross which like (laughs) is helpful on tour when you're you know in a van together for a month straight and i think it makes it way more special i i don't understand why anybody would uh have any problems being crammed into a van for extended periods of time it seems perfectly fine i know i know we're being a little bit um spoiled aren't we (laughs) Uh, Layla, i wanted to talk a little bit about your uh your keys on these songs they they sometimes you know obviously the drums are typically the backbone although sometimes i get the sense that the keys are really doing a lot of that support work on the tracks and i find them sometimes they can toggle real hard between haunting and happy and and sometimes mm-hmm. they just blend right in. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how the songwriting process for you goes. Are you writing on the piano? And if so, how are you translating that into the other instruments and using the keys throughout in the finished song? Um, with the keys, I mean, it really sort of comes together. So like Lexi or Stas will, or both of them together, will like develop a song and, and the keys sort of just kind of like free flow come when we're like rehearsing and practicing it together and then once we're in the studio like I I have all these keyboards at my disposal and and so many different sounds to play with but I think like whether it's happy whether it's like horror soundtracky whether it's like very classic Ray Manzarek style it just like I don't know it, it serves the song um, and like I'm able to tell pretty quickly like what the, the vibe is sort of. Yeah, so serving the song is sometimes the hardest thing for people to do because, you know, it's really easy to showboat. It's really hard yeah. to actually support an overall yeah. effort. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and, and with keys especially, um, a lot of the time less is more because they're so overpowering. So, yeah, knowing when to pull back is important. Yeah. yeah. It also affects the musical genre in a way, too. The more keys you add, the more it goes into synth pop and synth pop. Totally. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is, it, it's, it's the musical accompaniments of the keys are beautiful. And the guitar is also amazing. The guitar lines, Lexi, are, they, they seem to kind of be pronounced and yet also kind of camouflaged in the background a lot of the time. But like, they make the songs what they are in a lot of ways. Can you tell us a bit about how the guitar lines factor into the songwriting process? Yeah, that, first of all, thank you. That's a nice, nice thing to say. Um, uh, every guitar player's dream. The guitars make the song. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually funny. I'm going through like a phase of where I kind of find guitar annoying. I'm just like, oh, it's so like <laughs> bright and like it just hurt. It's so annoying sometimes. So that being said, um, this past album and like new stuff we've been working on, also like how Layla hinted, less is more. Just kind of using the guitar more. Um, 
like strategically and not in this like constant like thumping way and it's actually presents kind of more of a unique challenge where it's almost harder to do less and make it sound interesting than it is to just play through the entire time but I'm really into yeah just having and then when you do have a cool guitar line it really stands out because like there's you know just more I don't want to say basic but it's just like stripping it down and just kind of just making it easy to digest for the listener or even just playing it and then um your big guitar line will come in and it kind of stands out It's funny, so watching you play, sometimes I don't even realize I'm hearing a riff until some of the other stuff drops out, and that, there it is. It's, it's really kind of a beautiful way of doing it. And like you say, it definitely jumps out. What I really love, too, and it's kind of rare these days, I mean, in some ways, is the three-part harmony you're able to get. I mean, it's really striking to have three talented vocalists in the same group. I mean, you have examples like Haim or something like that, where it's there and it works, but kind of I would consider a rarity in at least in rock music these days and so how did you develop your vocal sound together I mean obviously there's a lot of history there and I would assume a lot of it comes from just repetition of singing together all the time but can you tell us a little bit about that yeah and I, th- I think this goes back to that um us being friends forever it's like Leila and I sound similar <laughs> we met yeah. each other like we literally um, sound the same uh, it probably sounds like you're interviewing one person right now. <laughs> <laughs> Between and, and uh, with me and Paul being brothers, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. our voice is yeah. also the same. So really, this is an interview with two people. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just that like we've been around each other for so long and just growing up alongside each other. And same thing with Stas. It's like we all kind of know what the other one sounds like and um, who can kind of hit what like Stas is really good at lower harmonies um and Layla's good at falsetto ones and I'm good at just being in the middle (laughs) so like knowing (laughs) that um and kind of again trying to keep it simple I think maybe earlier on we tried to do a little bit too much and like jam three-part harmonies in every single song but it's again it's really special when it is on that one or two song here or there and and then it stands out yeah especially juxtaposed with some of the harder sounding, like more garagey sort of guitar songs. It's it's really actually a nice contrast when that comes in. It's like oh, it's, it kind of soothes you a little bit, and then you're ready to go back to to rocking again. I want to talk a little bit about 2019's Carnage Bargain, the coolest album to feature a coin star reference. Maybe um, there's <laughs> there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, imagery and reference to the the hollowness of the Los Angeles lifestyle uh, in there. Uh, obviously, the track like. Hotel Celebrity, it's addressed pretty directly in that very, very disturbing music video. Um, Oh, yeah, there we are.
is your experience in that churn, that Hollywood churn? Because it's a it's something that's come up. Almost everyone who either lives there or moves there inevitably has this backlash toward that attitude. But there's also like a love kind of underneath. And I was just, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that Los Angeles experience, especially as natives growing up in that environment and how that may have influenced some of the maybe more sarcastic moments in in, uh, Carnage Bargain. Yeah, I mean, growing up in it, I think we're a little, like, maybe too absorbed in it ourselves. But I I will say that we we talked about driving. Driving is a huge part of it. I mean, I I would drive, like, an hour each way to work there and back. And, like, I had time in the car to just think about weird stuff that happened that day or funky people that I saw or, like, just this. um, Leyland, I work, like, in the... Uh, entertainment industry I guess (laughs) entertainment adjacent so just like dealing with those personalities egos that you see come in um Leila and I both worked on sets like it's just so nutty just seeing how many freaky people out here and they all flock to LA right (laughs) so it's like a never-ending uh well of just characters and um and then you have the time really if you're driving or commuting to really think about it and write down what yeah. you saw or something you overheard or you know and that hour-long la commute was i'm guessing two miles right <laughs> <laughs> i think it was 10 <laughs> it was chinatown to culver city but i had to pass dodger stadium on the way oh, back to get God. off work at six and like on dodger games i'd be like oh why do i live here and take like an hour and a half to get back and then it made me like root against the Dodgers, which I don't really know about baseball. But then it was like kind of like I like you know repping the home team and like I'm all for it. I'd be like, man, f the Dodgers, they suck. And then they'd go to like the World Series year after year. I'm like, the season's never gonna end. <laughs> My only two experiences at Dodger Stadium was I saw Paul McCartney play there. Oh, cool. Which was, which was great. And then i that's where I got all my COVID tests in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. When they had... Let me tell you, living there was a dream. All the helicopters and the... <laughs> when COVID first came out, seeing all the hazmat suits in your backyard. It was real something special. It was really... Mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. Fine. Yeah, they, yeah. I'm, I'm in the middle of Pennsylvania, so they threw me into a casino to get mine. So there, where there was no mask mandate, and there's just smokers, just like you yeah. ain't getting your COVID vaccine, <laughs> you bastard. I'm, like, I'm sorry. That is amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was strange. Anyway, <laughs> um, how did you all hook up with Third Man? Was there, uh, <laughs> was there a meat cute of any particular variety? Did, was it was it Blackwell? Did kind he... of. There yeah. was supposed <laughs> to be more of an official meat cute. Um, Megan Loveless. Uh, I thought you were about to our... say Megan Ryan, and I was like, yes, she would be. <laughs> in a meat cute, yes. Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> um, no. Um, uh, Megan Loveless, who I believe started out at Third Man as like maybe kind of intern. I don't want to. Yeah. She's been promoted countless <laughs> times, so she's awesome. But she kind of was responsible for finding bands to do um, Third Man South by 2020. And we were supposed to play that showcase. And then, of course, whatever COVID mm-hmm. happened. And then um, yeah. we just kind of maintained like an email contact with her and. Um, we were kind of her first band that she brought on. I hope we're. Yeah. <laughs> she still works there, so I. I that bad for her. Yeah. She's been promoted. She has her own office, so fingers crossed. Uh, our, something to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> She's the best. She's. Yeah, and then Blackwell and the whole team is. I mean, we didn't. We we had a feeling that you know Jack wouldn't surround himself with people that weren't special. But once we got kind of into the chocolate factory, um, (laughs) it's just so everybody is so unique. Everybody cares about music. Everyone's so knowledgeable, sweet, Mm -hmm. takes time to like really just sit down and talk to you. Um, 
I was with the uh, Blackwell being knowledgeable, but sweet. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's a sweetheart. Anyways. Yeah, every everybody is. And then and then them having in Nashville, obviously, and then in Detroit, we were hanging out with Ben Swank in Detroit, which was amazing. Um, and then third London, like, yeah, it's just it's so nice um, when you're on tour, kind of having like a home base in a city that you're not really familiar with being able yeah. to, you know, go out like to dinner with somebody that, you know, yeah, yeah exactly. Family. So. Thank you. This is our last song in London until we don't know when. So thank you so much for coming imagine it was also easier to tour like bringing gear and stuff was also probably a little easier now that third man has a, a kind of a home base there in london so it i'm assuming cost them a little less than it would have otherwise but um yeah we learned recently uh, meg wasn't even playing her own kit that first uh, cu- those first couple british tours she was borrowing one from another band that's oh, right funny. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so uh what role in your musical development did Jack and the White Stripes play, if if at all, if they did at all. I don't know if they would have. Yeah. Huge. I mean, I've always been, all of us have always been huge fans. It's all incredibly surreal. Like, I've been listening to the White Stripes since middle school, <laughs> like, early high school. Super influential. Just, like, it's just amazing. It's guitar and drums, incredible songwriting. Like, yeah. something... You know, it's it's simple and it's bluesy, but it is like some of the most impressive songwriting, and it it's been super influential for me in that way. Yeah, it's uh, the sounds of the groups that are signed to Third Man don't always necessarily align. So we're always curious to hear. Not that yours doesn't, but it, we're always curious to hear what that perspective is, because even if a sound is drastically different, there's something about <clears throat> the White Stripes music that is sort of oddly and against odds universal we were talking to some detroit people over the years and they were like you know it it was amazing to see this guy from detroit be able to talk to this huge room of people as if they were the only person in the room so there's something something personal about the whole thing and your record for uh third man talk 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 is uh, also pretty personal at times there i think of a song like single origin experience i really like that uh, song it's one of my favorite tracks on the record and there's some some pretty harsh truths tossed around in the lyrics of that one and so, sometimes i get the sense that you're you know you're turning a mirror on some of the maybe more depressing reality in a bright way to maybe take the piss out of some of the bullshit but i i was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about the writing of that uh song and, and of that album yeah i think that's another just like la going to grab a coffee and it's like eight dollars somehow was kind of what (laughs) where that started the the single origin and how everything is just so branded and it's just you go into cafes i'm sure it's happening in portland too it's just like cafes and they all look the same they all have like the white paint and the exposed wooden beams and everything is like twice or three times as much as it should be
I'm just kind of taking that idea and kind of running with it with um like physical going physical location stuff and then also like what's happening on our phones and I don't know just like yeah just where society is uh you know things are heading I'm just kind of keeping track of it all but in this fun way it's kind of uh you listen to some songs from like the 70s or 80s and you're like oh god that thing is so dated so I'm actually kind of looking forward to when I listen back to this I'm like oh this yeah that's like oh I was worried about that what about what's going on in 2050 or something (laughs) yeah back then they're all complaining about like chat hotlines and uh, yeah. or whatever i don't know lines too long at the disco i, I don't know I was literally, last night i was i couldn't i couldn't fall asleep i have a newborn so it was like one of his feed schedules i think it was 3 a.m and i was like oh i can't fall asleep right now and i was thinking about how the song spider webs right uh sorry i'm not home right now leave a message i'll call you back you're the reason yeah, why it's yeah. all my phone calls it's yeah. like that would be cool if it was just like a stalker X. Now it's like spam from it's my representative Jimmy Gomez. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's like I don't even know how CVS call like all these yeah. people, and it's like yeah, you have to screen your phone because now it's all fake. It's not even a person calling you. It's like robocalls. I was like, man, Gwen Stefani had it easy back then. <laughs> yeah. Now this well, song is like an advertisement for like some new Apple feature that can like screen your phone calls for you, yeah. right? I, yeah. And now it's it's leeching into texts now. I'm getting uh, – it, it seems like every other day my PayPal account is going to be locked immediately. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, and so I better get on that, I think. Well, um, does your Dropbox require further action? <laughs> <laughs> Always. And Amazon, they're going to ban me from their platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, but you did forward that to three other people. So you're, it's, you're, it's, it's true. Yeah, it you is have to true. Put that, yeah. yeah. First um, of all, uh, I don't. How you're uh, cognizant and awake now with a newborn? I'm, I'm, I'm so, so, I'm immediately sorry for scheduling this in the morning. No, it's okay. <laughs> okay. There's no better time, honestly. It just it yeah. kind of deteriorates throughout the day, so it's yeah. actually get my freshest. <laughs> Me and I Paul have, both have relative, relatively new children. They're still fresh, uh, yeah. but yeah, we. I've been up since five, so as, it's as been, <laughs> it's been a thing. Um, well, I guess my second my second question connected in connection to that discussion is: Do you have hope for the future? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I would assume if you're procreating, you probably yeah. I have a newborn. I have. To. <laughs> uh, no, I do. It's every generation. I I really think this like post COVID generation of kids is kind of going to be something similar to like the. Like, we're the 50s generation, and this new generation of kids is, like, going to be the 60s, rebellious. I think there's going to be a huge turn against everything we're doing right now with our kids. Um, and they're going to be like, why did you guys do that? You guys are so lame. And it's like, yeah, we are lame, actually. I mean, <laughs> like nightlife in L.A. couldn't be lamer. Um, I, I like it. But <laughs> it's just, like, stuff like that where you're like, yeah, it is really lame. And I do hope they come around and are like, you guys were so... X, Y, and Z. I don't know. Uh, well, Gen Z seems to hate everything I'm doing anyway. So I think the the turn has already kind of the screws already turning. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is fine. You know what? Honestly, they deserve to. Uh, I've I've, yeah. I, I I kind of put myself in a bucket that the let's just call it the lamestream media has put <laughs> into me. Uh, in that I am a, a child is eternally a child because I am a millennial. Um, even though I'm like in my mid thirties, it's like yeah. Uh, yeah. okay. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the, I can't wait for my children to hate what I have done uh, in the past. And I can't wait for the future problems. You mentioned that you can't wait to look back on the stuff and be like, oh, I can't believe I'm worrying about that now. I can't wait to uh, look at Robo Putin fighting chat GBT. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's it's exciting to me. The AI is going to eventually kill us all. It's fine. Taking over, yeah. Oh, I, I sometimes get sick of this stuff, though, right? Last year was crypto, and this year is AI. I'm like, is this all just a bust? Like, why do we... Here's... So- here- I think of it like watching a preview of uh, somebody's perp walk next year. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, totally. Well, that's that's my secret. Is I I then I wait a year and then I go on YouTube and I watch uh, a dude do an hour long uh, essay about why this other thing was bad. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm glad I didn't get on board with that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> 
there, there's a song on the record bring it back to the album there, Nissan Overdrive I really love that song and I don't know if this has anything to do with the lyric but when I heard the lyric my heart feels heavy my head feels light I thought about that feeling of COVID lockdown and where you're just like the news is so it's weighing you down but at the same time you kind of feel lightheaded. Talk Talk written during COVID, because I, I know that I had read, I, I thought that you guys were, were active during the pandemic in terms of songwriting, things like that, but it, did that feed into the new record at all? Um, we, we, we had a, a lot of these songs written beforehand. Okay. Um, we did like demo them out and record them during COVID and after COVID times, I don't know. Um, so I think inevitably there probably is some... I think it would be impossible to say no. It didn't affect it. It didn't affect it at all. But it definitely did. I mean, I got COVID during recording the album. Oh. The whole band got COVID during a show a free a few months prior to recording that album. So it definitely like was a constant thing that I do think trickled in, but maybe not overtly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things where you're like, I don't really want to remember. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We yeah. tried to like. Yeah. But Tiger King. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I was going to open this interview on where were you during 9-11. So I'm glad I didn't do that at this point. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Great icebreaker. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a good one. Just mm-hmm. that at my next nice work meeting. Okay, icebreaker. Going? Yeah. <laughs> so Ben Blackwell, bringing it back to that that sweet man. Uh, told us during uh, our 2022 Year in Review episode that BWP was his favorite song of 2022. Um, Which, uh, it's an amazing song, and it's a great way to to open the album. And uh, speaking of people in a cycle of perpetuity seeking Ben Blackwell's approval, speaking as people, I should say, uh, as... (laughs) We're constantly wanting him to be proud of us, Dad. Ben, I mean, Ben Blackwell. Um, how does it feel winning the unsolicited approval of, of Mr. Blackwell? I mean, what a big honor. Cause yeah. He, he's, he's, I mean, all those guys, it's just it, when they're even talking to you, you're like, you have just seen good music for the last like 30, 40, like you have just seen it because they all came up together, right? And like, mm-hmm you know the mid 90s it's like of course there was way cooler stuff going on than the paranoids back then so for us to even kind of i don't know be on that list or it's just such a huge honor because they've seen they all those guys have seen stuff and he's in a cool band himself and so it, it really means a lot break today we were hoping to do a quick lightning round would that be all right we'd do some 
rapid fire questions. Yeah. We'll, uh, yes. All right, we're gonna cue the the music here. It'll be tasteful, I'm sure. Uh, James, <laughs> do you want to go first? <laughs> Uh, what is the stupidest question you've ever been asked by a music journalist, uh, barring anything we've asked you in this interview? <laughs> um, I mean, uh, I'm always exhausted of what's it like being a woman blank. <laughs> fill in the that blank. doesn't come up anymore, thank God. That's I know, it's less COVID, and less. COVID erased that. Is it because, like, most rock stars are women now? It's like, I mean, that's all I'm listening to these days. But anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Thank God that question went away. Yeah. (laughs) Thank God I didn't write that down. (laughs) 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 Um, Did the the Lizzie music video inspire your Talk, Talk, Talk album cover or the other way around? Or was it just a coincidence that there's a foil hat look on, on both? Other way around, album inspired music video. We were doing both at the same time. Ah, that's it. Same director, same director shot both. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I love your music videos so much that um, there was uh, another one. Man, I forget the the name has escaped me. It looks like it was shot in Runyon Canyon. It was really, really beautiful. That's the one. Egg salad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Really cool video. Um, who would win in a fight, Staz or Jack Bruce? Pause Googling Jack. Yeah, Googling. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Jack, Jack Bruce. From Cream. He's, he's, he's much older he's now. Just... He, he's very frail. He, he could. Dog we like... doesn't have a bone in her body. I don't think she would even accept the fight. Oh. <laughs> yes, this guy is real frail, though. Maybe she would accidentally like, bump into him or something. Oh, no, he died, you guys. That's not funny. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Oh, my God. So she would definitely win. I guess win. Oz would win. Yeah, um, she, she already people. did. She, she beat him. <laughs> Man, um, this is for, for the both of you. We'll do it roundtable. Along with your girlfriend degree, what's your minor? Uh, we'll go Layla first. Oh, I mean, if, if we're taking it quite literally, film and media studies. But um, <laughs> okay. I, would say, I would say my minor is in um, knitting. Hey, that's good. I have another uh, major. It's talk, talk, talk. Mm, yeah, that's <laughs> true for her. The, and I just want to let you guys know um, for future Portland uh, pub trivia, um, Jack Bruce died in 2014. Oh, oh no. Shit. So he's like, <laughs> I'm out of the loop. So you're like, so he's, he's like really coming dead. up on the 10 year anniversary of some guy that's dead. And you know what? Good riddance <laughs> to that man. <laughs> no, he was a wonderful guy. He's like below six feet at this point. Though. So, Just... so is that now the stupidest question you've been asked? <laughs> I, I have to know. Um, <laughs> no. Okay. Thank God. Hey James, what's it like going, being a woman in the, Oh God. No. Um, <laughs> what's it like being a woman fighting a dead man? <laughs> Um, well, I, I'm going to come up with, with one off the dome. What's your favorite um, early 2000s video game? If we if we're talking Crazy Taxi and Tony Ooh. Hawk, what are we? Where are we landing? Oh, we love. I was going to say that, mm. or I was going to say The Sims. Oh, the, Sims? Love the Sims. So, so are you in Roller Coaster Tycoon and The Sims? In both cases, are you killing the the, the people? Are yes. you locking them in a using, in a, in a using doorless room? Codes for um, unlimited money and killing everybody. Yeah. Uh, my my style was always to try earnestly really hard and then at you some would. Point, something <laughs> would like snap in me like at the like one and a half hour mark where I was like, I just can't I can't clean up that dirty plate anymore in my <laughs> Sims character's life. I'm gonna watch it get the flies. I just I can't take the trash out anymore. I want I wanna buy the jacuzzi. I can't clean up. <laughs> You're just watching your sim just scrub a dirty plate for hours. Yeah, just, I'm like, I he can't, can't stop. I can't yeah. do this anymore. It's it's, it's a modern day McBeth. Yeah, I'm like, when are they gonna hook up again? Like, I'm more interested in the love life stuff. I can't, you know. But then, of course, yeah. you lose you lose in the love life category if well, your plate is a mess. Yeah, yeah, it's a problem. Um, but you know, it, which yeah, isn't yeah. a real life lesson, by the way. Yeah, quite. Where I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I well, 
Yeah, I, the Sims. The Sims taught me a lot about how I would deal with absolute power, and it made me uncomfortable. Uh, so <laughs> I, I will not. I will not. I will not get any leadership role in my life ever. Um, that said, I'm playing Stardew Valley a hell of a lot now. So like, oh, which yeah. is the modern day Sims. So I'm basically. Yeah. <laughs> my wife was very uncomfortable because she was just like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm trying to woo Emily." And she's like, "Who's Emily?" I'm like, it's "Fine, <laughs> anyway. don't worry about it." <laughs> Um, I've just introduced my daughter to Mario Brothers where she is asking me a lot about when Mario dies what does that mean and so that's been a disturbing conversation to have Um, what does it mean what does it mean well I say Paul explain it to me yeah well he's a magical man who Mm -hmm. plums things um our last uh, lightning round question is in the freak out video there's a popping and locking michael myers and i was wondering where that was shot so i could well, give that particular a wild guess forever that's right there right on the right on the uh, mm-hmm. board no that was reno right yeah. oh was in vegas it was vegas it was vegas Down, downtown vegas downtown vegas yeah. fremont street yeah. Yeah. Yes, that big, big downtown. Big oh yeah, it's gone. Yeah. Fremont Streets. Uh, that's where. I, that's where you'll find me playing. Very sloppy blackjack. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> oh um, boy. Well, that's all we had. Thank you so much for joining us today. I feel like we've learned a lot about each other in this time. Yeah. yeah really. <laughs> and it was lovely talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. Congratulations on the record. Uh, do you have anything uh, coming up that you want to plug? Uh, any tour dates? Uh, any any upcoming? Uh, you know, maybe um, new music. Yeah, music? we're yeah we're playing um, Shellraiser Festival in Ely, Nevada, which we did the we did the inaugural one last year, and it's a lot of fun. That's early June, June second or third. Yes. We are maybe playing opening some shows for a fun group that is not yet announced also in June. We are currently recording. Wow, um, awesome. We are, we are having baby. <laughs> 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 we as in not me. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's exciting. Um, well, we'd love to, to catch you in concert. Look forward to the new music. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank uh, you. Paul, do we want to look for a home? Oh, yes, that's right. At the end of every episode, in honor of uh, the White Stripes show closer, Bull Weevil, we say where we're going to be looking for a home until uh, next episode. I will be looking for a home in Jack Bruce's casket. Oh, no. Um, Just apologizing (laughs) to that musical legend. (laughs) I will be looking for a home in a roller coaster uh, theme park on Fremont Street. Hey, that's not bad. Uh, Layla, Um, where will you be looking for a home? Um... I will be looking for a home in my Sims world with unlimited cheat code money. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Lexi? Um, I would love a home in, in my neighborhood that I can afford, <laughs> so I'll just keep looking for that. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, so I'll you took it literally. Uh, Redfin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could do what I did and move to somewhere no one wants to be where they'll uh, make fun of you for getting the COVID vaccine inside of a casino. <laughs> so that's fun. You could do that. I will also be looking for a home, by the way, on the on the Ferris uh, or the Ferris wheel. That James <laughs> is on listening to half of an op- offspring song at a time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time. It is. All right. Thank Everybody. you. Thank you both so much. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Bye. The Third Man Podcast was created, edited, and produced by Paul and James Kaminsky. Our theme song, We're the Third Men, was recorded by the band Radkey, who can be found at radkey.net. To contact the show, visit thirdmenpodcast.com or email thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at the thirdmen underscore podcast on Instagram, at thirdmencast on Twitter, and search the Third Men on Facebook. Thanks to our Patreon patrons, to everyone who has rated, reviewed, and subscribed, and see you next time.
but they yeah those beautiful murals on the outside are so awesome i love the yellow submarine thing and i actually didn't know this bit of music millennium trivia i guess they opened their store the first song they played on the floor was um it's all too much from the yellow submarine album from beatles and so that's why they have all that yellow submarine stuff everywhere i had no idea oh wow that's some good trivia that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's a good like Portland, um, like yeah, local yeah. pub pub trivia. Pub trivia, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey everybody, Paul here with a quick message for you. As James and I mentioned many times on the show, this podcast is 100% not-for-profit and a labor of our love for music. We pride ourselves in bringing you interesting, timely content as we have these past 100-plus episodes. Podcasting is, however, a weirdly expensive process, and we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and I have set up a Patreon account where you can, if you like chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on it can be as much or as little as you can swing and all donations are greatly appreciated the last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash so just know that listening to our show is always payment enough but if you would like to help us out that would be amazing all right it's all from me remember you can head to patreon.com slash third men podcast and a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already all right everybody i'll see you on the show we were also we were doing the signing after and this really sweet older man was trying to buy like law and order season five (laughs) dvds and he kept trying to check out with me it's like i don't work here one second he's like i don't understand you, you didn't for a minute try and try and accept his Sign purchase though. yeah oh, i know i should have signed his long order DVDs. it was so funny and i'm wayne kaminsky You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. There you are, James. You're in your bunker. I look. I gotta. I gotta be down here. There's a child. She's screaming. I she needed a diaper change. The whole I heard, thing. I heard you're gonna uh, storm something today uh, in the event of uh, since Donald Trump has been indicted. Is that still true? Um, just protect yourself is all I'm okay. saying. Listen, there's lots of Buffalo men out there. It's it's crazy. I don't want to say. Uh, I'm. I'll. I'll be anonymous on this subject. Hey, Lexi, it's time to play. We're the Paranoids from Los Angeles. Are we live?